Welcome everybody to Natural Home's Christian Podcast. The Christian Podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I'm your host, Shane, and resident animal lover. And here with my uh, with my brother, who is does not share that same view or passion, Eric. I also don't have a passion when it comes to your stupid intros. Like seriously, they're like, they're just, I'm embarrassed about being on this podcast. With you doing that intro, well, those mean, intros, like that one is just you're you're a kid, you're a child, yeah. You're just making sound effect, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, oh, we're talking about animals today. I'm just gonna act like an animal. It's just stupid. Well, I, I don't know why you, I don't know why you gotta have such a bad attitude. Because, because I, you I just can't have fun. I just wish I knew how many listeners we lost from your intros. From that? Yeah, from your intros. You know I, what? If if we lost somebody because of that. Then see you later. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, I agree with them. I just wish they would stick around to know that they so have someone think, on their side. You think that they turn it on and then and then they just turn me go and they're like, oh, I think I think someone goes <laughs> done. I think someone goes. You know what? I would like to listen to a Christian podcast. A sophisticated. But you know what? I, no, I just want to have some fun. But I don't like cussing, so I kind of listen to something not unlike bad Christian. <laughs> so let's see if these guys are a little tamer uh-huh. and they turn it on and go, oh, they're idiots too. <laughs> yeah, and they turn it off. I think that's what happens a lot within within ten seconds of that's the all, podcast. That's all I would need. That's all. If you I was listening, I'd be like, "Yep, nope, not not doing this." Well, if this that, is a child. Well, this is thing. a child. I'm gonna have a child talk to me we, about. If we stuff? lost somebody within that ten seconds, then we would have lost them with, with some other reason. Nope, I would have brought them right back. Yeah, right. The smooth, my smooth voice uh, and my uh-huh. my intellect. Nope, and my humor. Like you can't beat it. No, but you were right about one thing. Not a huge animal guy. You're not. You're not. And and I don't get it. You know, I I own. You. We mean don't get it. There's I, a bit, pretty good reason why. I own a dog and a cat. Uh huh. And every time Eric comes over to my house and he walks in and my dog gets excited and she barks and she she goes over she wants mm-hmm. to see Eric and Eric just goes hi get away every time Shane why don't touch me why I know that you're allergic because I'm allergic to them so, but no 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 they are, slowly kill me, me. each me. animal slowly kills you why there are be around plenty them? of people who are allergic to animals and don't hate them with the passion that you hate I don't animals. hate them with a passion I just want nothing to animals. do with them it's because they're annoying there's no See, joy exactly. out of those hate animals them. I never said I hated them there's no no I just said you hate them and you said yeah because they're annoying I don't hate them okay I'm sorry I offended you by using the word hate you hate them I don't hate them. Just there's no joy that comes out of either of those for me. I would I would be more than happy if you didn't have them. That's all. I have great animals. <laughs> yeah, I will say your I like your cat better than my cat, but I don't like uh-huh. my cat either. Yeah. I no, you want you want me to use the word hate? My cat. You hate your cat. I don't know, maybe. Wow. <laughs> I don't like him that you know much. What? I can't muster, All he does is pee on stuff. I can't muster up the 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 volatile feelings that you have towards animals and use the word hate towards any animal any innocent you, you know what creature maybe i don't i think your intro was just really bringing out a bad side of me <laughs> and now and now i'm just pouring out on these poor innocent animals that slowly kill me each one of them oh, first off how do i own a cat if i'm so allergic exactly. to them yeah you know you're yeah your you know, great husband my wife wanted it i said even though it's going to slowly kill me one day erica i, I will let you have it yeah <laughs> I mean that's similar. <laughs> that's similar to to the way we had our we got our cat too. It's like uh, I didn't I didn't was want it a, a was your cat a stray? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Lauren found him in a bush in the park, uh, and so was like, Shane, I found this cat, and I was like, okay, well, just don't don't let it die, but we can't keep it because we have a dog that doesn't really get along with other animals that well. 
and I hung up the phone and I was with my friend Mike Hi, and he said uh, I hung up the phone and he said you now own a cat and I said no I don't and he's like yes you do and he was right and here, how long ago was that uh, uh, three or four years and here to this cat named Flash yeah why did you say that with a question mark you knew the answer to that oh what's his name about Flash you know you know, we both have superhero names for our cats. Yeah. Yours is Flash. Mine is Bruce Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Because yeah. I wanted to name my son Bruce Wayne, but Erica wouldn't have that. <laughs> so I was trying other names. I was yeah. like, what if we had a son we named him like Harvey? Like, what do you mean Harvey? Like, yeah, like Harvey Dent Valentine. <laughs> like, oh, Two-Face? No, yeah, we're not doing yeah. it. She knew yeah. everyone. Well, first off, you don't want a son named Two-Face. Uh, if I would like to slick, uh, I would I would have done a Selena Kyle Valentine for, <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> for a girl, but... Hey, I got a question for you. What? What is your favorite animal? Go. Bat. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's probably not. I mean, I like Batman a lot, so I guess I have to say bat. Um, my favorite animal, it's not a horse. It's not a dog. It's not a cat. It's not hamsters. It's not guinea pigs. I, we used to own a guinea pig named him Guinea. Real original name yeah. we had. And we also had a bunny named Bunny. Yeah, real original. Yeah, definitely. A raccoon definitely ate that bunny rabbit. Yeah. Definitely. True. Don't like bunnies either. Not a big bird fan. Fish are boring. Um, see, mice, don't like mice are obnoxious. Name, name one that you like. Snakes aren't very cool. Um, uh, I guess I guess I go with bats. Oh, monkeys are funny. <laughs> oh my god, I go with monkeys. Yeah, you know, monkeys are pretty funny though. <laughs> they're 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 pretty. They're what's, pretty good. what's your favorite animal? Um, I don't. You know, I don't know if this would really. I don't know if this counts. As in, yeah, I guess it would be because I don't know the whole like difference between <laughs> like an animal or a mammal or those sort of things. You know what I mean? Or uh-huh. fish or the what okay. category they just, all fall just into. Just name it. And well, I'll... and I'm also terrified of these, but it also creates curiosity for me. And and uh, so I would have to go with a shark. Is a shark shark's got to be a fish, right? Or is it a mammal? No, I I, I think I honestly don't know. I think it's a fish because I know whales are mammals. Sharks are not mammals. I just googled it really quick. Okay. They are, are they? fish. Okay. So what else would they be if they weren't reptiles? They're not reptiles. No, no, no. I, I, well, I, well, it was obviously either a mammal or a fish. I what, know. What other option do you think there was? A plant? No, what I was asking was, are you including fish in this whole animal? In an animal? In a, in yes. Whole animal. I didn't know if you wanted What's like land you? animal or like... No, I, I didn't just know if animals. Wanted, like, a bird, like in the air. Or I didn't know if... What's if a, wrong with I didn't that? know if aquatic creatures were also included in Why that. would they not be included? I don't know. You have uh, weird man. quirks about you. <laughs> Rules. I just it doesn't make to sense that it wouldn't be right. included. Well, I just wanted... Okay, sharks. Why, sharks are your great, favorite? Specifically great white sharks. But you're scared of them. I'm terrified of them. I don't want to get close to them, but uh, but they create curiosity for me. So one time we went to... I you, enjoy Shark Week. <laughs> shark Week's stupid. You're Overrated. Um, one time we went to Universal Studios, Florida. <laughs> yep. There's two of them. I so I mean, There are actually more than two, but two in America. Universal Studios, Florida... And there, they used to have a Jaws ride. They had a whole Jaws section, and it was a Jaws ride. So when we were kids, maybe when I was we were in middle school, maybe even younger. No, I was younger than middle school. <laughs> no, were you high school? Set the, I, know it's, I know the story. <laughs> were you trying to set it up in a bad way? <laughs> were you high school? <laughs> no, we were we were definitely elementary school. So we were we got on this Jaws ride, and if you've never been on the Jaws ride, let me just give you a little taste because um, it's you not can there anymore. Just YouTube it. You can YouTube, you can YouTube it. The whole but you ride. go, and then at one point, the fin. You know how the fin goes. And there's a guy on the boat, and they pretend to shoot, and then we go into like this big barn and or this fire, and then Jaws comes out, and then we go past another part, and then Jaws is right by the boat. Absolutely terrifying. And there's like the wire. If you've seen the movie, then um, that's what that's how. Well, the second one, he dies from the wire. Yeah, he goes and he bites, and it's like yeah. electrocuted. Yeah, 
And so then he gets electrocuted, and then he comes out again all bloody at the He's end. Like, ah! Yep. So, Shane, you were terrified of well, Jaws. I already did not want to get on the ride, but we were with our family and some cousins and those sort of things. And everyone Everybody wanted to. Everybody else wanted to, and nobody wanted to sit out with me. So my parents made me get on the ride. That's bad enough. Here's the other bad part. Not only did they make me get on the ride, my dad made me sit on the end of the <laughs> boat. Like, the, the boat were rows, and you did not have to sit that close to the water. Like, the, if they knew that I was scared. They could have sat me in the middle. My dad said, no, 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 Shane, you're on the end. Yeah, be a man, Close Shane. to the water. Yeah. So he made me sit on this. I was already terrified of everything. And then, at the end, Jaws comes out, and you're really close to him. Yeah, right next to me. So it, it shook you. Yeah, to, to my core. Yeah. So that night... Uh huh. What happened that night? My well, so we had it was time for uh, I. My parents wanted us to take a shower. And you know what? When you're a kid, shower showering's the worst thing. Yeah, it is. It's like when a penalty. A yeah, like yeah. I was like, I don't want to shower. Yeah, yeah. Why do I have to shower? So, I did that three days ago. So yeah, so it was it was it was my it was our turn to shower that 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 time of the week, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and um and uh, I was terrified. I didn't want to get in the shower. Why? Because I was so scared from the Jaws ride that you thought my. First grade mind, I thought that... I don't think you're first grade, but go on. I think you're more like fifth grade. In my toddler mind, I I was so scared that I felt like a shark was literally going to bust through the bathtub Uh and swallow me whole. It was irrational, I realized. But I I was so scared that I did not want to take a shower. I was terrified. And mom and dad kept saying, you have to take a shower. You were crying like a little... Baby, so in seventh grade, going. I don't want grade. to. It was definitely elementary school, and so then obviously what happened was, uh, our parents made you sit in the bathroom. I was mad about it. Yeah, just sit in the bathroom while I showered. What was that? first and I was off? While I'm showering, just going, hey, Eric, are you still here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember you <laughs> making sure I was still there. First off. If let's say this irrational fear of a sh- of Jaws coming through the pipes, <laughs> no, no, not through the pipes. I just thought he was just going to bust through. He's attracted to water. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever there's water, he's it's, gonna yeah, go. I mean, it's irrational. I realize that. And so you thought that if this shark was gonna come, yeah, I would do anything to stop it. If a shark really did, I was gone. I was like, "Well, you're dead." Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I remember you have going, Eric. You're there. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyways. So the reason we're talking about animals is because we had a, a special guest on today. His name is Andy Wilson. He is an author and director, and he directed a great nature documentary called The Riot and the Dance. And what we really liked about uh, the nature documentary is it wasn't didn't come across as cheesy, but it still had God as the creator and the center of it. So it we really um, encourage you to go to the riot and the dance.com. Uh, they are some, there's some showings happening April 19th. So in a couple of days, so make sure you, um, if, if you want to go see in theaters, do that. It will also be out on some streaming services, Netflix and that in like a couple months, but you get all your information from the riot and dance.com. But let's get to our interview with Andy Wilson. I am in the shin bone of Idaho. Really? Jeez. <laughs> I don't know anything in Idaho whatsoever. <laughs> Grizzly bears, salmon, uh-huh. <laughs> mountain lions, okay. Mormons. Mormons. Nice. You know. Now, I, do you, are you guys big on potatoes or is that 
Is that somewhere we else? We are big on selling you people. <laughs> are you tired of getting so, that question? <laughs> our, our license plates actually say famous potatoes on them. <laughs> even though it's the gem state. Like we've got all the different gems in Idaho, but it's famous potatoes. Wow. And wow. it's if I want to eat an Idaho potato, I have to go somewhere else because we sell all of them. Really? Oh, wow. so, when we buy potatoes, they're from Washington State. Oh. And when you buy potatoes at Five Guys, uh-huh. they're Idaho potatoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. We're we're from Baltimore, so we're crabs. That's yeah, that's that's, that's what we're all about. Old Bay and crabs yeah. is where we are here. <laughs> Best Idaho potato I ever had was in Annapolis, Maryland. So you know, <laughs> really, hmm. yes. That's funny. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks so, for giving us potatoes. <laughs> So, um, ND, can you um, just introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are, what you do, uh, a little bit of history about yourself? Sure. Um, my name's ND Wilson. I am a children's novelist, primarily. Mm-hmm. I've got 11 novels out, three different series. I've been, ex- I'm extremely grateful that they've actually sold, that I make a living. Nice. I've only, I've only ever had two full-time jobs, swinging a hammer on a construction crew in college <laughs> and writing. Nice. So that's they, it. They go hand in hand with one another, huh? Yeah, it was, it was think or swim. So I, I knew since the sixth grade that I wanted to write, and I could, popped out of graduate school in Maryland, near where you all are, oh. and couldn't get a job, couldn't get full-time work, a little bit of like part-time here, part-time there. I was putting together all these part-time jobs, and I just thought, I have got to sell a book. Like I actually just really have to sell a book. So I did. Nice. It worked out. God, God was good, and I landed a four-book deal with Random House, and for the last 11 years, that's been my primary vocation, is telling exciting, scary stories to children. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's been fun, and for the last 10 years, I've also been involved in film. So I, I always knew I wanted to be, and the life of a novelist is interesting. I work kind of fast, and so when you finish a book and you get it done and you turn it in, you can't do anything until your next novel. You can't mm-hmm. publish two or three in a year yeah. and expect it to go well. Like you yeah. need to actually release them. So in the gaps, I was working in film um, and that has grown and grown and grown until finally over the last couple of years, my vocations have flipped or I'm now primarily film and I still write novels, but I write novels in the gaps. Okay, so wow. Is more secondary and films are more the front burner, which is a blast. Yeah. So did you did you want to get involved in film from the get go, or is that just something that kind of naturally happened with writing children's books? I wanted to get. I wanted. I've always wanted to be involved in film. Mm-hmm. I did not understand anything about the business yeah. at all, and so starting in two thousand seven, I started working in the business and have learned a lot since then about how different it is. So. Who is the storyteller, actually? Like, I'm the storyteller for my novel. Who's the storyteller in, mm. you know, the film world? And I assumed it was the screenwriter. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, going through this process of having my novels adapted and watching other people try to adapt screenplays off my work, so I was like, you know, I'm going to write screenplays. Forget this. Yeah. This yeah. is stupid. Yeah. And yeah. so I write the screenplay. Then I realized, you know, you could write the best screenplay of the year the best of the year and have it be the worst movie of the year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Easily. Yeah. And so I moved into directing. I started working in directing uh, and, and production and it's been a lot of fun. It really has been. And so the novel side of me, I like, it's like endurance hiking. You disappear for a long time. Mm -hmm. 
you have imaginary friends, you can't <laughs> tell anybody, and you ruin all their lives. Do the plot, bring them back. But you're out on an endurance hike by yourself for six to nine months. You know, you know, broken, broken across things. But six to nine months, and then on the film side, it's more like a team sport. You're playing football. There's all these different people on your team. So I love alternating between the two of them. Nice. And uh, as far as film goes, though, the riot and the dance is is kind of an offbeat one for me. Mm-hmm. It's not narrative so much, but it's something I've wanted to do for a very, very long time. I mean, when I was first took my wife out on a date in the year 2000, I told her I want to make nature documentaries, mm. just as sort of a, a doink. I just want to kind of like doink the secular <laughs> nature doc- documentary world because I love nature docs. Mm-hmm. And I hate sitting there looking at beautiful things and having people say. This is all meaningless. Yeah, this yeah, is all, yeah. Check out this Michelangelo. It's totally pointless. It's totally <laughs> pointless. Wow. And then move on to the next one. This too yeah. is just <laughs> an accident. I'm like, no, I think it looks pretty good. This is kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, it's, it's been an itch I've wanted to scratch for a long time. So how challenging was it for you to direct a nature documentary being a, a I guess, creationist or, or having uh, the idea of a divine... Um, divine yeah. god actually making everything like like we're both pastors and and we've seen a couple maybe uh, but i've seen a million nature documentaries on the other side so how hard was it for you to fight against that while you're trying to make this documentary it was super fun i mean i wouldn't <laughs> describe it as hard okay because i'm, I'm sort of reassured by resistance yeah. like I, I feel most comfortable when there's resistance and when there's conflict so if I'm doing something and nobody's trying to stop me, it means it's probably not worth doing. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing something and people won't help out, or I can't get permissions to film certain places or because uh, we're Christians and they have no idea what we're going to say other than just the simple fact that we're Christians. Mm-hmm. So there was a certain amount. There's th- These are things I probably shouldn't say on the air, but I will anyway, <laughs> is there's a certain amount of like defiance in what we were doing. Uh-huh. And we had to color outside the lines and operate differently. And it took us years to make this first one because we were figuring all that out. Crew, who we, who we can work with? How do we handle locations? How do we... Hey, this is a nature dog, so I'm in a dog barking in the back. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I should bring my dogs in too. Yeah. Uh, really, like figuring it out. How do we handle locations? What do we say? How do we communicate about it? We're not going to go lie to people, but how do we get access you know, to these preserves yeah. and these places and, and that kind of thing. So we, it took us years to figure out. I think we've got it dialed mm-hmm. uh, pretty well in the first one. We're about halfway into the second one. Mm-hmm. And the resistance was part of the fun. You know, there was one moment we were filming the javelina, this big pack of javelina in the Arizona desert. Yeah. And we had a guide with us and my uncle said, oh man, look at those, these crazy little pigs. And the guide was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> so upset like these are not pigs yeah and you're staring at this thing with a little piggy nose and piggy feet and the whole like it's a little pig and yeah we know it's not like a domesticated pig yeah yeah. but it's piggish (laughs) yeah yeah it's clearly piggy (laughs) and uh she was just furious and she (laughs) interrupted the shoot she stepped in front of the camera she was like shutting it down wow because you used the word pig wow and she was this is as distance, a distant a relative to a pig as a horse is to a cow. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like, and so then he insisted on using the word new world pig because it's, 
they're okay with that, but it's like, it's, it's still just, she was so unhappy about it. Wow. So we had, a, there were a lot of little moments like that. And, but other things where I was expecting that, that resistance was minor compared to just the difficulty of finding these animals and traveling to the, these locations and being, and staying alive, mm-hmm. surviving on these, in these locations, trying to find these things. Yeah. So running into a wild elephant in the woods turns out as a terrifying experience. Ex- just terrifying experience. Yeah, yeah. They're yes. looking at this thing thinking, this could rip me in half. Mm-hmm. They kill about 90 people a year where, where we were in that area. And, you know, it's just, it's wild. It's, mm-hmm. This is not a zoo. This is God's world, and we're just out in the middle of it. So, so just all that stuff was wild. So was that the most dangerous? That that was that the most dangerous encounter that you had was running into an elephant because that's something that see I'm not a very uh, a brave person I guess you could say <laughs> yeah I would so agree with whenever that. it comes to like any of these I'm always like okay I want to make sure that, that we're all safe here that we're not getting in any danger and so like I would be scared in in any of those instances so what was like the most dangerous place that you found yourself in or a dangerous encounter with an yeah, animal? Yes, so I would say. We were up, but we were in the rainforest in Sri Lanka, tromping around at night. Um, we did some, we did some night tromping, and actually in Arizona it was pretty sketchy too. When you're hitting the desert, yeah, yeah, and uh, and you're looking for very deadly vipers. Though the difference between doing that in Sri Lanka and doing that in Arizona is that you're not in the first world. So we're we're tromping up, we're looking for this Russell's viper and cobras and other things. And I asked the guy the guide like about antivenin like do you have like what kind of antivenins do we have and he said oh they don't they don't have any oh. like, so then we're way out there yeah and uh, like so how long would it take like one of us to get to a hospital from here and he's like oh many hours <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> and it's like okay so but the russell's viper can kill you in 20 minutes oh. and and so can this coral snake we're looking for like 20 minutes the Russell's Viper, there's, you can, if you Google it and you look for like YouTube videos, you'll see a guy like putting one drop of Russell's Viper venom into a cup of blood. Uh-huh. And then he swirls it around and dumps it out and the blood is solid. I think I've the seen bl- that. Yeah. Turns <laughs> yellow, which is like, bleh, like oh. it just kind of, and so you're out there with this nastiness and we're looking for it. We're actively looking for it. You're a madman. So, <laughs> it's like we got cameras and we're, and I, I did have a moment out there. I was thinking like, so why are we doing this? Like, <laughs> why, what's the, what's the point? But the really, probably the highest like adrenaline level I've achieved in my life is when we were, we were in uh, production on part two and there's some teaser for it at the end of this film. Yeah. But we boated about three miles off Oahu to this trench with this shark guide who told us, you know, this is like an interstate for sharks between the islands Ugh. out here. It's like, and they'll just be drawn to the sound of the boat. And we got out there three miles off and we hit this spot and all these sharks come up to the surface and they're tail slapping each other and they're like jockeying for dominance and they're circling the boat. And he hands you goggles and a mask and it's like, okay, like hop in. Nope. <laughs> and, and, he, and he gave us this whole briefing of like, don't wiggle your fingers, keep your arms in tight, make aggressive eye contact with the sharks. <laughs> turn what? what does that even mean? <laughs> so it's I, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, what does that mean? Aggressive? I got goggles on. Yeah, like, yeah. Aggressive eye contact with the shark. Do not surface. Do not surface, and you have to stay on a swivel because they'll come at your back. And I spent about three <laughs> hours in the water. 
being circled by 30 sharks. Were you in and a they, cage? No cage. What? Yeah, we were free. <laughs> and so we, uh, you know, the, the sharks come in tighter and tighter and tighter as they're getting more bold and they're checking you out. And you have to stay on a swivel. You have got to turn around because they will come at your back and they'll come up at your feet. And you have to roll and look them in the eye and just make aggressive eye contact. <laughs> so I, I kicked one of them. One of them actually successfully snuck up close to me that I actually like kicked oh. off its side. But that was amazing. And that was about three hours. And it was absolutely phenomenal. And I didn't know that your adrenaline levels could maintain for that long. Yeah. And even then, once your adrenaline levels are that up, I didn't know they could still spike from there. They could yeah. go up from there again because I actually I got under the boat a little bit. And I got my hand above my head, holding myself off the bottom of the boat, looking at all these sharks. <laughs> yes. and, then, and one came up behind me, and and I turned around, just looked over my shoulder, and I was under the boat with this, you know, nine to eleven foot shark. Just the two of us. I can't even surface. I'm just, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it all worked out. It was yeah, fantastic. You're, you're here. Wow. But, well, Shane, but, uh, Shane, that was the sketchiest. That was yeah. the sketchiest for sure. Shane knows a little bit about that. He got on the Jaws ride once when yeah. he was a kid, and he's been terrified of sharks yeah. ever since. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're my, they're my awesome. biggest fear, so I couldn't. Nope. No way. My um, wife is a surfer, so sharks have uh, like a terrifying place in her mind. She, yeah. She was struggling. She was struggling to understand why I was doing this. Yeah, I, I'm struggling currently to understand <laughs> why you're doing this. Um, you you are a unique person if you're willing. If that yeah. was exciting to you, I would be. That that's what hell is for me. Yeah. doing that. <laughs> um, one of the animals that um, I I thought was pretty um, interesting in um, part one documentary was the Star Wars looking ones. What were those? Yeah. Um, Elephant uh, seals. Yes. Um, and yes. and what was cool about it is you were kind of showing how because of sin and because we live in a broken yeah. world that we see animals do terrible things like they were and they were doing some terrible things. So tell, tell for those that haven't seen it yet, tell us a little bit about, about, about the Star Wars looking animals and, and kind of yeah. what you were trying to show through, through their actions. So really, that's a, it's a perfect example of why the movie is even called The Riot and the Dance mm -hmm. is because creation is glorious. It's fantastic. If we want to know our father, then getting out and seeing the things he made, the things he designed, tells us a lot about him. Like these are all his works. But on the riot side of things, it is cursed. It is groaning for the resurrection, right? Yeah. Everything's broken because of sin. Death is out here. And man has been put in charge of it. So we're, we're in charge of this and we're the ones who broke it. Like mm -hmm. we're the ones who made this awful. So when I, when I go to an elephant seal beach and you see these bull elephant seals with trunks, you know, they're roaring at each other and they're snotty and their noses are falling into their own mouths and they're, they're bigger than Buffalo mm -hmm. with no legs. You know, these are, these are things that are slithering around substantially larger than bison. Wow. You know, they each, one of the bulls can outweigh multiple bison. Oh, and and would not have any trouble taking one on mm -hmm. you know like they're big crazy and they are star warsy they're hilarious like they look like they look like alien life yeah and they are alien life but it's you you look at that and you see it's funny but you also see all this tragedy these bowls dominate the beach they're beach masters mm -hmm. there is no like we can see places in in creation where people like animals mate for life there's loyalty between mates and then we have things like this, where it's like, this is this is the sociology of the Hell's Angels. This is a biker gang. The massive alpha ball dominates 
all of the females. The females are screaming, running, can't outrun them. It's rape and pillage. It's awful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and then even the cows are killing the young of other cows, and all of the bachelors sit off on a bachelor beach where they're banished. Mm-hmm. They're all banished, and they just hang out together until they're big enough to take on one of the bulls, and then they show up, and they have these huge, enormous tooth fights. So these massive slug creatures having tooth fights, and honestly, they're hilarious. And so the, in the film, I wanted to tell the truth about them, especially in a way that kids could watch and it's not terrifying. Yeah. But and so it was hard. We cut and recut and I rewrote narration for the elephant seals more than anything else in this movie yeah. <laughs> because they're so funny. And it would have been really easy just to throw some funny music on and say, hey, aren't they fat? And isn't it hilarious? Yeah. And that would have been it. And it's true, but it's not the whole truth. The whole Mm -hmm. truth is also that it's broken and we need to fix it. We are man. They were given to us. This is not what it's going to look like in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You know, when when we're walking around the new heavens and the new earth, we're not going to find Elephant Seal Beach and see that it's run like this. Yeah. This is not how it's going to be run. Yeah. Um, And I think it's in secular nature documentaries, nature is sacred and it's received like a sacred text and you're not allowed to touch it or modify it. I look at the elephant seals and I see something that we broke, Mm -hmm. like we broke this. They're awesome. And whatever they were, they are no longer, just like people are no longer what they were. And they also need to be made new. So seeing that as part of the need for resurrection, the need for redemption, seeing the, the grief, the groaning of creation on elephant seal beaches, but also seeing the hilarity the hilarity and the comedy that's there at the same time in the yeah. same places. Yeah. And I really applaud you for especially that because to, to be honest, I I know um, Christian industry a good amount. And when I see some of this kind of stuff, I normally get cynical about it. Like, oh, here's another corny kind of documentary sure. thing. And then I watched your, I watched this one. I was like, this is not what I expected, especially when I got to, to those seals. Like, Oh my gosh, they're like, they're like raping people. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and you did it in a way where it's like, you sh- are still showing like the, the terrible sin that what, what sin yeah. is done, like you were saying, which is a great way of looking at it. And it makes made me as, as a pastor, even think a little different. Like, Oh yeah, it did break every aspect of our world. Um, and it, but it's a way where it's like you're still showing God and, and creation and still in a way it's friendly to kids. But at the same time, it's a little edgier, I guess. I don't know if that's the right yeah. word, but it's just it's just so authentic where you're not trying to come across as as corny. It's just look at right. how great this world is and look what happened because of sin. And I just thought it was a great way of showing it was was that example, which is probably many, many examples of that. But I thought that was a great way of doing it. That one, I think when the word we were using was just honest. We yeah. wanted to be honest. So we also wanted to be, I have kids mm-hmm. and I, I want to interpret the world for them in a way that is honest, but is also like not too old for them in a way that's not going to break them, you know, mm-hmm. or really burden them. And I want them to take pleasure in the Elven Seal segment. Yeah. And so, but I want to tell them the truth and also protect them at the same time. So that, that sequence, you know, is heavily edited and worked on more than any, anything else because we do want to do that. I also think it's not an accident that, so you referred to Christian industry, mm-hmm. that Christian industry is not really embracing this film. Um, the offers I have from 
all the home streaming rights and it's it's the film's done really well and we're really grateful and Christian families are responding extremely positively mm-hmm. because I really believe that this would fill a, a, a hunger and a niche that people had that some of them didn't even know they had. Yeah. Like the ability to show their kids a nature documentary that's not attacking them and their faith. Like show a nature yeah. documentary that's worshipful. Yeah. But all the offers I have right now are from secular studios. I don't have any like the Christians are all kind of like, ah, I'm not sure that we can promote this in the gospel industrial complex. Like this is, and I'm telling them Christian families will love this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know. It's not cheesy enough. It's not yeah, stupid yeah. enough. Yeah, not it's not enough, huh? enough. So the secularists want to release a Christian nature doc, <laughs> but, but the Christians don't. The same exact thing happened to me with my novels, where when I started out writing all the way back 2006, I sent my books out to all the Christian houses. I thought of it like Michael W. Smith or Amy Grant back in the day. I was uh-huh. like, I got to be in the minor leagues for a little bit, and then I'm going to try to transition. I got turned down by every single Christian publishing house and had the offers from five New York houses. Wow. It just, it just didn't work that way, where the secular houses wanted it. They wanted to put it out there, and, and even though they disagreed with a lot of what I had to say, they wanted to put it out there, and the Christians did not. They were scared of it because there was a little bit too much authenticity, ah. a little bit too much honesty. That's so, so. frustrating. <laughs> and that's and that that really is a reflection of a lot of our churches out there too, where uh, where and that's a big complaint with Christianity. I know that this isn't necessarily about the nature documentary, but um, you know, a lot of times in our churches, we're so we're we're so concerned about keeping up appearances and not being fake, but or, or being fake and and not being able to be completely authentic with everything that it messes messes things up. So I'm glad that somebody's at least putting this out because <laughs> it's important that it gets out. But I'm sure that going through all of this, and now we talked about some of the the scary things that you've encountered and some of the different situations you've encountered. Talk about how this has grown your faith by by researching these animals and seeing them up close and personal and the creation around us and how beautiful it is. How has that grown your faith and your appreciation of who God is? So if you think about when nature gets referred to in scripture, mm-hmm. when the creatures are referred to, it's almost always in moments when God is looking to reassure, when he's looking to like bolster faith and reassure mm-hmm. believers. So you look at the flowers, like see how I'd clothe them. Mm-hmm. And they're going to burn away in a day. Like, yeah. think about how I'm going to care for you. Not one sparrow falls to the ground. Right. But one of the most overlooked, like, really overlooked and fun, funnily overlooked passages is the extended book of Job, which should be our manual on grief counseling, right? Yeah. <laughs> that should be the one we go to, except for we absolutely do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because God talks smack to Job. Yeah. And, and we only notice that, but then we, we kind of skip over the, what he actually says, mm-hmm. which is as Job is dealing with loss and everything else, he's saying, do you feed the lions? Like, look at Leviathan. Mm-hmm. Also, do you listen and receive the cries of the raven's young all day as worship? That he receives the, the cries of the raven's young as prayer, as worship. And he, point, he tells Job to go to all these animals, and Job ends up saying the same thing. Job himself says, you know, ask the beasts and they will tell you and the birds of the air and they will teach you that the hand of the Lord, I'm like the, the hand of the Lord is in all of this. Yeah. And so going through this whole production, it took us three years, you know, working on this first one. First two years, I was dealing with weird health stuff and then found out that I had a large brain tumor. Like after two years of this stuff 
And I went through brain surgery a year ago and I came out the other side and I had to finish assembling all this footage. I was up to my brain tumor in terabytes of nature footage <laughs> at that point. And I had to write the narration and assemble the cut and like what we're trying to say. And in that process, I thought, you know, I should really reread the book of Job as I'm going through this. First two things I thought were one is I'm not in this guy's league at all, either in terms of faith or also in terms of trial. Like his, the level of his trial was so amazingly large. And then secondly, was realizing that when in trial, God points you to nature. And so, and here I am just sitting in a pile of nature going through this thing. Mm -hmm. So as I wrote and as I assembled the narration and the direction for the film, it changed not just my faith, strengthening my faith, but also the direction of the movie itself. The movie became far more worshipful and far more confident. You know, so as if you look at what God does with a, you know, a, a beetle, if you look at what God does with a hummingbird and you think he's that his artistry achieves that level, do I really think that he's just pooching it with me? Yeah. You know, it's like the guy who's like the, the person who has this level of skill, this level of artistry is telling a story with me. Mm. Like I am in his story. Do I really think he's going to screw it all up? Like, and no, I don't like, he doesn't screw it up with the flowers. He doesn't screw it up with the hummingbirds. He doesn't screw it up with the water Buffalo. He's not going to screw it up with me. I'm in his hands just like all of this, and there's no better place I could be. So realizing when you walk that museum, you walk his living museum, and you look at the way he's crafting trees and ants, and you take an ant off the sidewalk, and you and just realize that this little tiny thing, intricately designed, has a genealogy that goes back to the beginning of time. Yeah. There's no blank spots. This isn't a video game where you run into a wall where the programmers didn't program anything over there. Mm -hmm. Like it is so exhaustively and thoroughly made that this ant has a genealogy back to the first ant. Wow. There's there is a lineage and only one person knows it. And only one person has the attention span and also the attention to detail to even care yeah. about an ant's genealogy. So if you if we you and I both get bored reading ge genealogies in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Imagine having to read thousands and thousands <laughs> of ant genealogies. Well, there was this ant, and then it went to this mound, and it slowly got worked its way through Utah, and then it got <laughs> this part of Wyoming, and then uh -huh. like and the, and the generations, the number of generations that there have to be mm -hmm. in order for all like the intricacy of that tapestry is beyond comprehension, and begins to give you a sense of what infinite means, right? Yeah, like that infinite attention span god has an infinite attention span and he has the same care for detail and the same level for attention when it comes to me and my story and what he's doing with the cells in my brain and what he's doing with my kids and my history and all of my descendants going forward so it's a it's a really reassuring thing to stare at the ant i mean just to wow. go look go stare at the birds and be like yeah god this bird might never have been seen by a human before i'm sitting on some mountaintop and God has watched every second of every, like of its entire life and every second of every, you know, day of all of its ancestors all the way back mm -hmm. and has provided food for it and a mate for it and offspring and everything else and has prepared a future for it to the end. So anyway, I mean, it was overwhelming, just like the task, years of this footage, you know, it was extremely overwhelming to review all my footage in that light and then to write the narration in that light. Well, wow. it's it it almost seems like I mean, God doesn't make bad things happen, but it seems like a weird coincidence that 
time you're going through a terrible time in your life <laughs> yeah. that you're also now rediscovering a new side of God through Absolutely. what you're working. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where we would say it's not coincidence. <laughs> like we would say that it's not coincidence at all. Yeah. There is an author. There's yeah. absolutely an author. And, and like you were saying, in terms of agency, we obviously have agency in our own stories, mm-hmm. but there's still an author. Yeah. And if I want to kick against that author, you know, I should really know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. I should, I should study his work and know how, how good he is. Um, and it's, it's really humbling. It's extremely humbling and extremely reassuring to know that he, he knows what he's doing yeah. and that he is an authority over all of it, over every second and every cell. He's in authority. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, I never that even knew that. Mind. Yeah. I didn't even knew that part of, of the story. So it's, that's fascinating, but I feel bad for kicking any anthill. <laughs> at this point like, as a kid like seeing an anthill and just stomping on it now I feel bad and, but I'm, it's, yeah I'm, I'm no I'm not a, a sentimental a sentimentalist at all uh-huh. but with my own children I've always to, I've told them this and I've yeah. said if you see an ant if you step on it accidentally it's fine it's an ant yeah. but you don't ever step on it on purpose right Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, is it your ant who made that ant who <laughs> yeah. gave that ant a story yeah. sit down and watch it work Watch its business. Learn yeah. from it. That's what God wants you to do. Yeah. But like, you don't sweat it if you if you walk on it. But yeah. like, right, right. You know, if you, if you actually have a moment, like, give it a look. Mm-hmm. Actually, give it a look. There are ants that take other ants' slaves. There are ants that have aphids. That's that's part of the curse. Yeah. Ants that herd aphids and milk them. There are ants that like float rivers. Ants that move and sink and apparently have <laughs> one kind of hive mind. There's ants that raise butterflies. Wow. You know, they, they collect butterfly eggs and take them down to the nests and then feed the young and raise them up because the wasps love to prey on them. And so they protect the butterfly young and bring them into the nests and raise them up and release them. Yeah. It's like it's it's insane. Yeah, All yeah. these different Amazing. stories that God is telling with just insects. Yeah, that's just, that's just ants you're talking about. We can yeah, talk yeah. about so many different animals and species <laughs> and, and see that as well. What, what kind of um, reaction have you seen talked a little bit about some when it comes to the Christian industry and stuff, but what kind of reaction have you seen from people that have seen it? Uh, what what kind of things are you hearing about, about the riot and the dance? I've been extremely grateful and thrilled by the response because it was exactly what we were aiming for, where people are just filled with wonder and joy and gratitude and a deep desire to get to know their father better and to experience the world he gave us. So especially from families with kids, you know, that was the question mark for me was, mm-hmm. Can I do this in a way that's exciting and fun for the kids? Not not just for the parents. I want to engage mm-hmm. the parents, but yeah. can a seven-year-old, you know, sit here riveted? I want a seven-year-old riveted. Mm-hmm. And we've had a really positive response that that is in fact what we did. That's what we hit. And with all my books, and especially with this project, more than anything else, I never want to write something or make something that makes people bored with their lives mm-hmm. or bored with where they sit in the world. Or want to go play a game in the basement with dice. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them to go out their back door into the world. And that's overwhelmingly the response we've gotten is that there's been like just this real rejuvenation and this wonder and, and the people who've watched it and a desire to get out and see the world around them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a real way that we Christians are all like people with the last name Disney mm-hmm. who inherited <laughs> Disneyland. Yeah. And we're all standing in the middle of Disneyland. And we are the heirs. We got left this place. And we look at each other like, hey, do you want to look around? And everybody's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Like, God yeah. gave us all of this stuff. I mean, I, I, I'm a nature buff, even though I'm not a scientist. 
I'm a nature buff. I knew a lot about a lot of animals and I yeah. still was running into things I'd never heard of before, <laughs> you know, tiny, tiny little blind snakes like that hunt ants. We were talking about ants, like the anaconda of the ant world, a little, <laughs> wow. a little serpent that can only eat ants. That's it's a, it's like, like a Python or anything else, but just mm-hmm. minuscule and blind and out of, out on the prowl hunting for ants. That's one of the things that we found. I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> is that a worm? <laughs> my, uncle, yeah, my uncle, the narrator, was acting like it was Christmas. He was so excited to see one. Yeah. And I was like, I've never heard of this before, ever. Like, it's There's wow. just stuff out there. And we need to wander Disneyland and mm-hmm. see what our father left us. Like, what we actually are the heirs to. The thing we're supposed to maintain and and be, you know, sons and daughters of Adam and Eve about. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Awesome. anyway, I want to see all of Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And you never will. Right? I never, as long as you're, you'll never get through it because there's I so much stuff. Absolutely never will. It's not possible in, yeah. for a finite creature to see it all, but I'm going to try. Uh-huh. Yeah, nice. Like so, kick every shark in the meantime. Yeah. How, so uh, anyone's listening, how could they um, see this movie or see this documentary right now? So it's it was in theaters at the end of March. Yep. We were, and that was the only night we were given, but it did really well. And so uh, hundreds of theaters have invited it back April 19th, which we are very grateful for. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be around the country on April 19th again. You can go to riotthedance.com, type in your zip code. You'll see your closest theater. Uh, That's the best way. If Mm -hmm. you don't have a theater near you, you can sign up for a newsletter. As soon as we have a streaming deal or a home deal, We'll send out that announcement so people can know, like, okay, it's when it when it's going to be on Netflix or on Amazon or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. So we're in negotiations on those deals. I don't know. I have no clue mm-hmm. when that'll be available. But for now, it's uh, and it would be months from now uh, mm-hmm. when it's available on any home platform. But uh, for now, go to writeinthedance.com, type in your zip code, and you can find your closest theater. That's awesome. great. Well, Andy, thank you so much for your time and for uh, just talking about. Your documentary, it was a great documentary. We both really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, just talking about your story a little bit too, we, we really appreciate uh, your time and, and everything you've done. And we're looking forward to part two when that comes out. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Which, which when will that, when do you think that will be out? 2019. Okay. So it's so. so we'll, we'll release it next year. We're about almost halfway through production and we should be able to knock it out next year. Nice. And it is awesome. So you want to talk about animals that aren't realistic at all. Uh-huh. There's stuff in part one that I, I honestly, when I met my first wild cobra, I was staring at a cobra just thinking, this is fake. This isn't real. <laughs> this yeah. is totally fake. This looks like VFX. Uh-huh. Like what, what special effects studio came up with this? Yeah. It's, it's so angry. Mm-hmm. It's so angry. It's hissing at me. It's striking at my shadow. It's slamming mm-hmm. its face into the ground, chasing me around. <laughs> it's scales, the scales look plastic this big hood that it's yeah. like spreading out behind its head what the heck yeah. so when, you watch, when you watch a humpback whale uh-huh. throw itself entirely out of the water something that size yeah so when you watch something that weighs more than your house just swim fast enough and be strong enough to jump up just erupt out of the water underneath you and get its full body out and mm-hmm. slam into the it's insane yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Throw that with sharks, the humpback whale, all the stuff we've seen now, it's it always blows my mind. Wow. And the whole time, 
ND was riding on the back of this humpback whale out of the water, <laughs> just jumping out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> With goggles yes. staring at it intensely. Yeah, yeah. Like Look at the eye. Look at the eye, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, ND, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate all that you're doing uh, with this documentary. And it's great to see well done. Uh, a well done nature documentary with with that with God in it included in it. So we we appreciate you doing that, and uh, we look forward to seeing more coming out of your out of your studio and what you guys are doing. Awesome! Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review to support the podcast. You can go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.